Welcome to the podcast, Your Future in Sales and Marketing, the podcast that helps you make great career decisions. My name is Mike Dixon, and I'm a professional sales and marketing recruiter. I love what I do, but my biggest frustration is seeing too many people not realizing their career potential. In this podcast, I'll introduce you to my network, an amazing group of business leaders from the biggest tier one organizations through to some super fast growth SMEs. They'll share their career journeys and give unique advice and insights on managing your career and leading a function and a business. Join me, Mike Dixon of AXR Recruitment and Search to help guide your future in sales and marketing. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Your Future in Sales and Marketing with me, Mike Dixon, Director of AXR Recruitment and Search. Our purpose at AXR is to help you make great career decisions by giving you access to the insights and expertise of our network of amazing senior leaders. In today's podcast, we're back in the marketing world with a regular in Australia's top 50 CMOs, Yash Gandhi of Bayada. Yash, welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Really good to have you. And uh, we're going to get straight into our icebreaker questions, Yash. Um, we had a chat before and then I think you said, oh, I'd forgotten about these. So <laughs> we'll see where they go. But, um, first one is, what's your favorite brand? And I'm going to give you a bit of leeway here because uh, as the listeners will find out, you spent a long time working in Saatchi and Saatchi across a, a massive amount of brands, more than most marketers and the clients I would ever touch. So I normally say, pick a brand that you haven't worked on, but I'm going to say, pick a brand you haven't worked on um, in in Bayada. So no Steggles, no Lilydale, but yeah. um, everything else is fair game. You know, one brand that's very close to my heart is Macarena. Um That was, it's an FMCG coffee brand. Most of you would be aware of it, but um we created the strategy. We shifted the whole positioning of that brand. And the four years that we worked on it, we just took the brand to a whole new level. And it's still very close to my heart. So I'd say Makona. Fantastic. Okay. That's the first time Makona has been on, but I love it. Um, and a bit about you. So we're going to talk a lot about you as a marketer and your career. That's the whole idea of the podcast. But where are you from? Tell us a bit about life of Yash Gandhi before <laughs> marketing. Well, where do I start? Um, well, I was born and brought up in Bombay. Um, that's still home for me. Mum and dad are still there. Um, I moved here when I was 18, believe it or not. Um, spring chicken. Uh, came here to study. I did my university over here. Um, studied at UTS. Um, did my bachelor's and then my master's degree and um, fell into advertising. Uh, while I was doing my master's, I got a part-time job at Saatchi and Saatchi at the Rocks back in the day in its heydays. Um, not knowing anything about advertising, walked in there going, I love this. What is this place? I need more of it. Um, and yeah, just, just kind of was really intrigued and curious by what advertising was all about. Um, started stealing briefs from the copywriters and the creative directors there and started working on it and really found myself enjoying the whole process. So fell into advertising. Um, and as luck would have it, Mike, I, when I went back home to Bombay, uh, Saatchi and Saatchi kind of got me a job in the Bombay office. So I was at, in the Bombay office for two years, uh, Mumbai, I should say now. Um, and, um, yeah, that's kind of how I fell into advertising. Interesting. So, um, I always assume that people's careers are more planned and I'm, it's amazing how many people, their first one or two roles are, are almost accidental. 
is trying something or a bit of fortune, a bit of good luck and and um, something doesn't work out, the next thing does. Before you know it, you find a bit of a passion. Yeah. But uh, you certainly you certainly did. Um, now, I'm curious because you um, spent quite a bit of time at, at, at Saatchi, but that you moved to MNC Saatchi. Uh, now, can you explain the difference, difference between Saatchi and Saatchi and MNC Saatchi? <laughs> Yes, I, I read up not the same. I, I read up on this, so I know, but I don't think most people will. <laughs> so Saatchi and Saatchi is the original Saatchi brothers, so Morris and Charles, who founded Saatchi and Saatchi. Funny story, they were ousted by the board and they went, stuff you, we're going to start our own agency and call it MNC Saatchi and took British Airways with them. Um, and that's how MNC Saatchi was born. Um, fastest growing agency, obviously went global with British Airways as their lead client. They had to have offices in pretty much every corner of the world. Um, and I was very fortunate to have worked with Tom Derry and Tom McFarlane, who were the two founders of the MNC Saatchi office in Australia. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of the difference between Saatchi and Saatchi and MNC Saatchi. But I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of biased and I still think MNC Saatchi is the original Morris and Charles Saatchi agency. Yeah, Morrison, MNC, Morrison, Charles, right. Yeah. Okay, now, when you know, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now, you are a copywriter, as you as you said, um, which is a creative and agency speak, mm -hmm. right? Um, yet you found yourself in a business leadership role, setting up the Mumbai business in 2008. Now, those roles are normally, in my experience, taken by suits, you know, people who are managing the, the clients. Um, how did you find yourself... I guess in that role, you know, leading an office and setting up a business when you, your background didn't really kind of lend itself to that. Yeah, it's a funny story. Like I, I grew through the ranks even as a creative, as a copywriter. I was a copywriter when I joined MNC Saatchi. Um, and I think three or four years into my copywriting role, we pitched and won an airline business in India. Um, back then, I was probably the only kind of brown guy and knew the strategy and knew the work. Um, and I was asked if I wanted to go and help set up, you know, um, I guess the creative side of things and help the, mob, the Mumbai office out. Um, so I kind of went there as a creative in my creative capacity to help the um, agency there. But when I got there, Mike, <laughs> it was uh, very different. It was like, okay, we don't have an office. We were working out of a hotel lobby. And whilst our new offices were being developed, um, and we had to do everything. So I kind of found myself in this position where I'm like, okay, we got to do this. And I was just curious. So I'm like, right, let's go. Let's do this. We were running, you know, ran this big, uh, airline and which was launching globally. So we had to kind of be quick and be on our toes with what we're doing. And apart from my creative duties, I kind of just took on the other business aspects of um, running the agency and loved it. So I was meant to be there for about a month or so, um, ended up staying there for a year and set up the whole agency. And uh, my wife was still back here in Sydney. So I had to make the call and go, right, I've got to come back now. Um, and about a year later, got back to Sydney, having set up MNC Saatchi Mumbai. What a great experience. Yeah, it was fantastic. And this kind of combination of, I guess, creative and, and suit, is that kind of unusual in agency world? Uh, it is. It is in a lot of ways because you once you're in the creative department, you kind of work your way through the creative department yeah. and become a creative director, chief creative officer, etc. Um, it's very rare and what advertising 
guys call the dark side. When you move to the suit side, it's the dark side. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, it's quite rare, but um, not uncommon. Not uncommon. And I've seen a lot of suits kind of jump into the creative side of things and really excel in the creative field. So not uncommon, but certainly not as common as you'd think. Great. Okay. Now let's move forward a little bit uh, to your movement into Bayada. Now, the journey wasn't a traditional one um, in the sense that um, you've been this you know, long time successful um, agency um, marketer and to, to move to the client side is, is not a step everyone makes. Talk us through how it happened for you. Yeah, again, look, just to kind of take a little step back, once I finished what I did at MNC Mumbai, I was fortunate enough to give, um, was fortunate enough to be given the opportunity to really learn and understand how agency runs and operates. So um, the two founders, Tom and Tom, kind of took me under their wings, took me out of the creative department and pretty much thrust me into the business side of things where I had to learn how the agency makes money, learn account management, learn strategy, learn new business development. So I got this really rounded experience within the agency, um, which was just incredibly insightful and incredibly valuable. And I was just soaking it up because um, it, it's pretty rare to get that opportunity. And I was probably the only one um, at MNC who was given that. So embracing that, being curious about it, having an open mind and going, right, let's just see what this has to offer and learn as much as I can, um, really set me up for this opportunity in a way. Because while I was um, in the new, develop new de business development role, Bayada um, and their CEO kind of reached out to us because they needed help. Um, they were pitching something to Woolies and they said, if we could help, I let that pitch for them. Um, they obviously won. Um, I say obviously, cause you know, we have to win. Um, but they won the pitch. We had a really good, um, relationship and that was it. But two years post that event, um, I bumped into him again and we had a really nice conversation over a coffee. And before you know it, he was, um, quite keen to have me join the business and, I was ready for a change. So it was 11 years at MNC and uh, a long tenure by any means. And I just thought, this is a fantastic opportunity. Um, it's a great business. Uh, it's a privately owned business. Um, and what another great learning opportunity again to do something very different and expand my, my skill sets, my thinking uh, and learn something completely new. It's interesting because you must have dealt all the time with people on the client side, they're your clients. So they're the marketing directors, marketing managers, brand, people running brands in a whole host of organizations. And that must give you a perception of what marketing is like in, in, in a client side, you know, FMCG or yeah. consumer goods and, or, or consumer services environment. When you got into Biada and you were therefore responsible for client side marketing, was your view enforced? You think that oh, this is what it is? Or were you surprised wow. at what it, what it, what it was? <laughs> it was a steep learning curve, let me tell you that, Mike. Um, look, I think from an agency point of view, right, when you're dealing with clients, when you're dealing with different brands, you are involved kind of at the, probably the superficial level of brand and brand only, right? You don't see the depth of the business. You don't see what else happens behind the scenes. You're only kind of engaged 
with the CMO or with the marketing directors at a brand level. Going client side just opened a whole new door of, okay, it's not just the brand, it's the depth of the business that you need to understand. How do we make money? What are the different levers? What does vertical integration actually even mean? Learning how we do, what who our customers are, how we approach them, how do we, you know, just how do we run this business? And where can you have an impact and where can you influence this business? That was a whole different piece for me. And I absolutely thoroughly, I still am enjoying it because every day is a new day. It's, you know, who knew like five years ago, if you asked me, would you know anything about pallets and supply chain? I'd be like, what are you talking about? But now we're well versed with it because you have to, because that's the business you're in. Um, so it's, it's, like I said, it was a steep learning curve, um, initially, but as you kind of more, you know, ingrain or immerse yourself in the business, the more you learn about it, the more you can go, okay, I see where we are and how you can apply your different skill sets you've gathered over the years, apply it differently and bring a different perspective. And that's probably what I've been able to add to the business. As a recruiter, often uh, the briefs we get are quite formulaic. You know, our, our role is to challenge the client on the thinking, um, to challenge them and what are they actually trying to achieve in terms of business goals yeah. and relate that back to, to talent as opposed to just ticking a box. Now, they must have seen something in you that they, they wanted um, can you elaborate on that? I think there was mutual. I knew I could, having dealt with the business, you know, um, albeit in a limited capacity, I knew there was potential that I could go in and make a difference. Um, and my brief, Mike, and you, you know, you love this and anyone who's listening to this, this was like a dream brief. My CEO, my current CEO at the time, when he was, when we were talking about joining the business, his brief to me was run it like it's your own. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's like awesome. What a brief, you know, run it like it's my own business. And that's what I've done. Um, and that's pretty much how I've been able to kind of go in, question some of the things, but at the same time, you know, be humble by, okay, I'm not sure about these. Help me over here, learn more about it. Um, but just provide a different perspective. And I think that's what I've been able to give to the table or bring to the table. And at the same time, um, learn a lot more around the business side of things, the smarts of how we do business, um, you know, just the operational side of things, uh, how the different kind of dynamics within the different um, divisions actually works within mm-hmm. our business. So it's it's a very different kind of skill set, I guess, that I've acquired. Did you have to show much patience, Yash? Because I'm thinking when everyone comes into a role that they, they, they want to have an impact, you know, that, uh, to, to, sh- particularly a seeding leadership role, right. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm entrusted with the, it's my business. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make an impact here, but you had a lot to learn. How, how did you kind of go about, I guess, that uh, induction period of understanding every part of, you know, and Bayada is, is, uh, agri FMCG. It's complex. Yeah. It's, yeah. Full, it's integrated, um, end to end, as you say. So it's, it's not a, it's actually quite not a straightforward organization. Absolutely. So did you have to kind of degree an exercise of patience as you went about understanding the business and holding back from the things you wanted to do? Yes and no. I think it was very important for me to understand the business before I could actually start making an impact, right? Yeah. It'd be very easy for me to go in there, right? Start changing everything and start kind of tearing things apart. Um, but instead it was a very considered approach. And I think patience was on both ends because 
I guess for me, it was a learning process to understand how the business operates. So I could talk the talk uh, and walk the walk, not just, you know, uh, you know, see what, say what I believe is happening. I can actually understand how the business operates and be able to speak, I guess, with, um, with credibility a little bit more. Um, but at the same time, patience on, you know, from Simon, my CEO's side of things to allow me that space to understand the business, meet the people in the business before I could go, okay, I understand this now. These are the things that we could do to kind of take things forward. So steep learning curve, but getting under the skin of the business, I think was a key to, you know, for me, where I am here today. So let's talk a bit about that journey for Biada. So when you joined, talk about the business that you joined and and perhaps just take us on a bit of a journey as to where the business is today, because people will know the brands, but don't necessarily know the name Biada. It's not yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It won't be familiar to everybody. So talk a bit about that journey. Absolutely. I mean, look, Biada is um, a privately owned business, like I mentioned earlier. We own the Steggles and Lilydale brands. Uh, we also own a plant-based brand called Greens and Goodness, um, which was kind of my baby that we launched about three years ago. Um, the business that I joined was growing um, and it was growing at knots rates. So I think my job was to kind of bring what the business was on the inside and showcase it externally. So right from the corporate side of things, you know, launching our new brand identity, creating a brand proposition for the corporate brand, two Steggles, two Lilydale, and the latest Greens and Goodness brands. It was a whole remodeling of how do we kind of transition this brand, make it as progressive as it is now. I guess the biggest difference, Mike, was we were so far ahead, but our identity and what we were doing didn't really match up. So that's kind of what I was able to offer. So to bring the brand up to speed with how fast the business was absolutely moving. Absolutely. Yeah. Because the business had grown um, significantly. Uh, but I guess as with, you know, all growth, brands and everything else kind of is left by the wayside a little bit. So whilst we had leading brands in the country, it was really repositioning them, making them relevant uh, and bringing them, were reflecting the values of the business onto it. Mm. I meet a lot of marketing leaders, Yash, and, one of the things that I find really interesting is when you talk about the commercial component, mm -hmm. you talk there from almost like an all of business perspective, whereas a lot of marketers, when you talk about business, they, 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 they talk to budget as, as their business <laughs> is that that's their, that's their P and L and that's what they're looking after. Yeah. Whereas marketing in its truest form and I go back to my daily days as a brand manager and as a marketing degree, it's it's all the P's, right? You got product, price, promotion, place. Absolutely. Um, in is it four? Is it six? Is it well, seven? I know, oh, I know. It's, I've lost track. I no. went to uni a long time ago. <laughs> There's only four when I was there. My 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 days a cutler. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, but but it's interesting. I think um, when again when I talk, talk to marketers, where the frame of reference is. But you seem to talk. Yeah. Uh, from an all of business perspective, is that, is that how you encourage your marketing team to think? Yeah. I mean, look, uh, it's, it's easy just to kind of focus on creating great ads and, you know, just doing the comms part of things, um, which any good marketer can do, um, and any good marketer should be doing, but it's when you can influence price, when you can, you know, have the commercial meetings with your sales team and go, right, how do we kind of get this positioning right across all four P's? 
is when you can truly kind of impact, have an impact on your brands um, per se. So, you know, we, we do, I mean, the marketing team is quite aligned with our R&D team, but also our sales team and we work as one. So sales, marketing, PD, everyone's working together on our core kind of objectives. So it's it's a new, well, it's not new, but it's definitely a model that's working for us um, in the sense how we kind of ensure our business objectives are aligned with our marketing objectives and the teams are focused on what they need to do to deliver against that. I think it's something for all marketers who are thinking about their journey in terms of career mm-hmm. uh, to ensure that they pick up that experience or they keep that core. Now, not every marketing environment is going to be like that, yep. particularly in some globals where you are, you're more uh, executional, perhaps not as strategic. The, the, the parts of the, parts of the mix are owned elsewhere. Um, but I think there's times in your career, you've, you, you know, it's fantastic to feel as if uh, you're driving all of the business. Now, I want to make that linkage too to kind of business strategy. What, what part does, marketing play and help shape the business strategy for Biada? Yeah, I mean, look, the role within Biada is quite broad. It's not your traditional marketing role, right? And I'll give you an example. We kind of, in my role, I'm involved with um, the ESG side of the business in terms of, you know, key part of the ESG team, um, formulating what are the key kind of ESG objectives that we want for the business, working with our different vertical integration, be it livestock, be it HR. We're kind of very well diverse in terms of our offering and the different business units that we touch and deal with. So it's not just your standard kind of marketing role that you do comms and that's it. Uh, we're quite involved with the business overall. Um, you know, like I said earlier, we we kind of work hand in hand with our sales team. We're down with, you know, our retailers talking to them together. So it's quite a broad role, but at the same time allows us to have a much broader perspective on what we do and influence what we do as well. Mm. And does that extend to the, your role on a leadership team, which presumably, so you report to the CEO. CEO yeah. yeah. So you'll sit in, in the CEO's group. Yeah. Uh, and um, I think it's interesting because um, that varies business by business. In my experience, talking to marketing leaders, sales leaders, and so forth, the roles that they play. Um what role does marketing play in that leadership group? Yeah, look, I think, again, we, as, as cliche as it sounds, but we are the voice of consumer, right? And again, all consumer insights, anything to do with our brands and any insights that come through, we are the, we're responsible for it. Um, and that's my job to ensure that that's translated across ops, that's translated across, you know, IT even to go, hang on, we need to work on these things. Um, and be able to kind of deliver it in a way that takes the business forward. So it's consumer. I love to kind of, you know, within my team, I'm kind of known for saying this, but we are the, le- we are the voice of consumer within the business. Um, and that's really what drives us. And you find in the business, because you're the consumer voice, but from other people's perspective, they may have a different, you know, I guess, emphasis. So sales may be more, about customer and, 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 you know, for them, the consumers is, is less important than, than the customer yeah. and finance of a view that it's, well, it's just about the profit at the end of the day and, and ops is around efficiency. Yeah. So how do you kind of square all those competing demands? It's interesting, but again, very simply, we've got a very clear business objective 
and we align all our, I guess, marketing objectives to those business objectives. The sales objectives are aligned to the same business objectives as mine are. So collectively, we're all heading in the same way. We just bring in different perspectives and help deliver against those objectives. So yes, there are times, and you know, I'll be the first to admit there are times where we don't see eye to eye or we disagree on certain things. But at the end of the day, it's all towards the same business objectives. So if we find a way to do it, we make it happen. It's interesting when you talk to senior leaders who've been on an LT for a while, you have. Um, the mindset is business first, generally. Yeah. It, it's about, well, my, my team is this leadership group uh, and I and I have a function which I lead. Yeah. Um, my role is to bring that plan that we create as a leadership group together through the function. Mm-hmm. Um, yet often those who are in, I guess, the middle or more junior levels in the business, um, they, they see it as a more combative environment. And actually, I think they'll often be very surprised if they sat in a well-formed leadership group, how yeah. harmonious it is or, or how positive the conflict actually Absolutely. is as well. But you know what? Credit where credit's due. Again, um, our CEO and our chairman are so well honed in on that in terms of this is the goal, this is the direction, this is what we expect from this management team, this leadership team to deliver against this. So we've got a very clear vision. We've got very clear goals. And it's about us to be able to deliver it back to the business. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's in a way, I think the shorter decision-making chains, Mike, helps because um, decisions are made quickly. It's in the interest of the business. It's always business first. Um, you know, it's, it's what's best for the business and how everything else fits around it. Mm-hmm. How do you connect your team to that business agenda? Yeah, I think, again, we do have a very kind of transparent um, I guess, process in, in the way, like I said, again, just aligning our marketing objectives, they need to be aware of what the business objectives are, hence the marketing objectives and how we're going to get there. So everyone in the team is well familiar with what's expected, what's required and how we're going to get there. Um, so it's not, it's not a surprise. And I think most of the teams know what we're gunning for. Um, so it's, it's, which is why making, you know, working with sales, working with R&D just makes it that much easier because they all know they're working towards the same goal. And where there's misalignment, that's where we step in to go, right, what do we need to prioritize and go from there? Yeah, cool, cool. Um, now, you mentioned earlier on customers. Um, a lot of marketers, their their main external, uh, I guess, energy uh, is with agencies. Yeah. Um, do you guys get in front of customers? Yeah, all the time, all the time. Um that's that's part of our gig, you know, and it's great because again we bring in a different perspective, you know. They <laughs> a lot of the customers actually love having us in there because um, we just bring in a different perspective. We bring in insights, which you know, from a sales point of view, they're very clear on. Okay, this is what we want to sell in. We'll come in from a consumer point of view to go. Actually, this is what the consumers after, and therefore this makes sense, which they just love to hear. And we've you know, obviously backed it up with data and everything else that we've got at our disposal um, just makes it easier. But yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Now, if your path has been different, if you hadn't bumped into the uh, Bayada team and and uh, when you were at Saatchi's and um, you'd stayed in the agency, maybe moved to different agencies, do you think you'd be a different leader today? Would your journey be so different? Um, no. Um, I think the one thing I've kind of kept on or kept with me all throughout is curiosity. Um, and I think that's probably led me to different things and different opportunities along the way. 
So as long as, you know, I keep that going, um, I think I'll find new opportunities and I'll find new ways of doing things and just be curious about what's next. Yeah. Yeah. And what, when you look at your kind of style, I guess, as a, a leader, yeah, I I feel like I'm going to interview you here with this question, but <laughs> um, if if I was working, you know, with you and on a leadership team or in your team, what what do I see with you? What what do you bring? What are your strengths as a leader? Um, gee, you should ask my team. Um, what would they say? What would they say? <laughs> um, passionate, definitely. Um, I wear my heart on my sleeve. It is what it is. Um, I am. Well, the three words that probably used for me is entrepreneurial, commercial, and creative, because um, that's just the way we are. <laughs> and yeah. that's just how I am. I'm like, right, give me another opportunity. I'll find a way to do it. I'm curious. Um, I know that it has to make commercial sense, and I'm inherently creative. So I'll find, give me a problem, I'll solve it. Mm-hmm. I'll find a way to solve it. Do you, do you look for the same things when you're hiring? Absolutely. I think skill sets, I think, can be taught, right? Certain skill sets can be taught um, and the way we work and all that stuff. But I definitely look for, do they have that spark? Are they curious? Are they passionate? Do they do they want more? Um, and once you've kind of got that, the rest can be taught. So absolutely. So what, what do you expect someone to show up with? Say you're interviewing a candidate, you know, and, and they – what do they have to do to impress you? Um, show me what they've been able to do differently than others, right? It's important to kind of, you know, everyone follows this very linear path of, yes, I was, you know, account executive, then account manager. And like, great, but tell me what you've done differently than the other account managers that I'm about to see. Um, <clears throat> give me an example of where you've actually made a difference to the business you've been working on. Um, show me how you've solved certain problems that were beyond your remit. You know, those are the kind of things that are interesting for me that shows me your thinking beyond just your role. Um, and you have the capacity to kind of be stretched and you'll come back with something that, you know, is, is different yeah. or unfamiliar or, you know, just curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. I keep coming back to curiosity, Mike, because I think that's, <clears throat> that is such an important trait. For any marketer or any um, anyone in the marketing world or even in the business world, I'd say. Yeah. I often find that the candidates perform best at interview because particularly you get to certain levels, technical skills kind of start to level out a little bit. You know, um, if you get to marketing manager level plus, you, you expect a certain skill set. Yeah. So it's actually, it is those softer skills around curiosity. And I think it's really, people struggle to demonstrate that or they think, well, how do I do that? And it's like really easy. Well, what what thinking have you put in beforehand? Um, Look at the business you're going to be interviewing with. Do some research, build some thoughts and opinions. um, Have some questions that are going to challenge the person you're meeting. Yeah. Um, about why they've done what they've done. Um, what, why did they, why did they launch this campaign in this particular way? Um, what were they trying to achieve? Um, you know, then you can start to actually then make com- some comparisons and make some points of impact that, that if you just sit and take the questions all day long, uh, and, and don't have an opinion to come back with, it becomes quite a one-sided conversation. 100%. And, and I think curiosity often comes from robust debate. Yeah. Um, and I've, I think individuals who shy away from that in the interview, uh, I think underperform. Those who are prepared to step up and and 
see conflict in a positive way. Yeah. Um, because often they think, well, I don't know, if, you know, I'm going to just, I, I want to do the right thing and, 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 you know, you know, be compliant and say, no, no, don't be compliant in the interview. Challenge back Absolutely. a little bit. Have opinions. Interview is a two way street, yeah. right? It's not just one way. Um, and I 100% agree. The more questions you can ask, the more informed you can be about not just is this right for you, but is it a right fit? Um, understand the business, understand the brands, understand the culture, understand, you know, what is expected out of this role. Um, so yeah, all of those are absolutely critical, but that's almost a given. And I think to your point where candidates don't perform well is when they're under kind of um, prepared for those type of questions or they haven't prepared those questions to ask in the interview. Yeah. I've said it before and, and, and it's worth re-mentioning re it. It's nothing worse, guys. In an interview at the end, and and someone says, "Do you have any questions?" And you're like, "No, you've been so good. You've answered all my questions." You're like, "No, <laughs> always have questions. Always Absolutely. have something to ask. It's gonna gonna put the interview back in their, their heels a little bit. Yeah. Make them make them think. You know, um, why did you launch that product? Because it doesn't make sense to your portfolio. Yeah. But, okay. Why'd you say that? Well, let me tell you why I say that. That's yeah. cool. Get, get, get into it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not a wrong answer. It's just a good conversation that might edu educate you, but also impress upon Absolutely. the interviewer that you've thought about it and you're taking yeah. it seriously. Uh, and you're actually going to bring something to the debate in 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 the role itself. So yeah, yeah cool. Um, now, you're an experienced leader um, of, a, of, a, of a business that's doing really well. You recognize, I mentioned uh, before, Top fifty CMOs, um, at least two or three years running. You've been you've been up there. What's the, what's the highest number you've got to? Well, six. Six. It's not bad, is it? <laughs> it's not bad, and that's that's not just an FMCG guys. That's across the entire gamut of of yeah. of, of marketing. So some of the biggest um, uh, companies in Australia. In, I'm very humble about it. I don't I don't like to talk about it, Mike. And you keep I, bringing it up. I ask you the question. That's all right. That's all right. I think it's pretty impressive. So you're an experienced leader of a marketing function, Yash. You know what are the three pieces of advice you give to someone aspiring to be a future Yash Gandhi? Well, don't aspire to be a future Yashkandi, aspire to be a future version of you and a better version of you. Um, look, I think the three kind of takeaways probably would be be curious. And I think that's kind of been the theme of, you know, everything we've spoken about today. Be open to new opportunities and uh, no matter where they come from, um, explore them. And third is probably be humble. You know, it's, 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 we're not, Curing cancer. It's marketing. Be humble. Enjoy what you do. I love the last one as well. I think all three are really good, Yash. It's amazing how many really good leaders I meet who are actually pretty damn humble. You know, the, 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 those that walk through life with uh, uh, an ego that's too big uh, often don't get that far. Um, contrary to popular views that the big ego yeah. always wins, not anymore. I think those who bring humility... Um, show the ability to show that they're, they've got an empathy to them. They can see things from other perspectives. Um, and, and I think a point we might have made earlier was they're actually, they're, they're doing good in the world. You know, it, it's not about them. It's about um, connecting meaningfully to what they're Absolutely. trying to achieve. And I think as a marketer, it's a brilliant thing to have in your mind and, and, your, and your toolkit. And uh, so it's really, really good principles, I think, to fall back on. So oh, thank you. Well, well said. Um, <laughs> now, I want to finish on you, back to you again. Right. Um, 
And um, I, I know that we've talked about humility, but here we are as a podcast all about you. <laughs> <laughs> but um so you've oh, been the your, irony. Yeah, the, oh, the irony, I know, I know. Um you've been in your current role for what, seven, eight years or so now. And and um what do you do next? Where you know the business has come a long way, you've yeah. been on a brilliant journey. Um so I guess it's two parts of this question. What what's next and what are the longer term goals when you look further down the line? Yeah. No, and look, I've I've always kind of maintained this, Mike. If you're not learning or growing, you need to get out. Um and fortunately within my role and within the business. I've had several opportunities to keep learning and keep growing. So, um, you know, I'll continue until that stops. And I think in terms of what's next, um, I'd love to kind of hone in on my newfound business skills. Um, you know, I've kind of feel like I've got marketing covered. We know, you know, with what we've done, um, I believe marketing is good. I've thoroughly enjoyed the business side of things, growing the business, launching new kind of businesses and brands. Um, and I'd love to kind of hone in on those skill sets a little bit more um, and see where that takes. Fantastic. Actually, one thing we didn't talk about, which we've probably got time just to go briefly go back to, just remind me, the business that you launched again within Bayada, Greens. Greens and Goodness. Greens, talk, talk to us a bit about that. <laughs> so it's uh, it's Greens and Goodness is a plant-based product. Um, it's about three, three odd years ago. Um it's, you know, plant-based is all the rage. Um, the retailers had allocated a lot of space to it. And, um, you know, we felt as a leading protein producer in the country. And that was kind of just reframing how we saw ourselves as sort of a poultry producer. We were seeing ourselves as a protein producer. Uh, we felt we had to be in that, um, or at least have, you know, our toes in that, um, to see what, where it could lead. And, um, you know, having kind of gone through all the different divisions, we knew we could do it. Um, we created a business plan, got it through with our chairman, with our CEO, got some funding for it, did R and D, developed products. Um, and once we got the green light, it was all systems go. Uh, and we launched a brand new brand from scratch, which was probably the most daunting thing I've ever done. Um, uh, but the most rewarding thing at the same time, because not only do we define the product, the product positioning, the packaging, the brand, the brand positioning, pricing, everything was from a blank piece of paper. Um, and fantastic, fantastic experience for any marketer to be able to launch a brand new brand. Um, and Touchwood is doing pretty okay. It's doing pretty okay. Um, we're in Coles, we're in Woolies. Um, and it's just shows, I guess, the, the entrepreneurial side of the business to be able to take that level of risk and do something different that's slightly different from our core competency um, and still back ourselves and do it, do it properly. I think it's fantastic. And for a lot of listeners who perhaps look at some of the larger businesses like yours and, and, and assume there's a kind of formula to how the business is done and, 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 and there is to some extent, but actually it's amazing how often there's an entrepreneurial side in, in a large business. Absolutely. And that's a, a, a great example. So you have that um, itch, you can scratch it in that yeah. business. You don't have to jump out of the startup to do it. Totally. You create your own startup. Well, we treated it like a startup. You yeah. know, we didn't, we didn't treat it like, okay, this is just, you know, part of another product that we're developing. We actually <laughs> had a very different business unit that was created for this. Mm. Um, and we treated it like a startup. We, we weren't, you know, it was very different. The approach we took for launching Greens and Goodness versus what we were doing for Staggles and Lilydale. So very different. And, 
the fact that we could do it within the business our size was fantastic. Mm. So um, general manager of startups could be the future for you, Yash, but uh, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for sharing um, your insights, your experience, your journey. Uh, a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed the, the, the conversation. And thanks to you guys for listening. If Yash's story has inspired you or you'd like to re-examine your career goals, reach out to me or any of the team here at AXR Recruitment and Search. Remember, our purpose is to help you get the most out of your career. Now, next up in the pod, we're staying in marketing with another very well-known marketing leader, Jonathan Sully, or Sully, who's a marketing director for Premium Spirits Business, William Grant & Son. So again, you might not jump to know that name, but you'll know the brands, Hendrix Gin, Glenfiddich, Monkey Shoulders, Sailor Jerry, some awesome brands there. Thanks again, Yash. Pleasure. Thank you for having me, Mike. And from me, Mike Dixon, keep listening to our podcast to help your future in sales and marketing. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast from AXR Recruitment and Search. We're passionate about helping you get the most out of your sales and marketing career. Keep listening as we bring you more career insights and advice from Australia's top sales and marketing leaders. You just can't get this career advice anywhere else. My name is Mike Dixon. See you next time on Your Future in Sales and Marketing.